Welcome to another episode of Bright-Headed Publishing Book Club. I am your host, Kelly Morgan. Today, I'm speaking with seasoned author, Charlie Sheldon, and his journey to writing his three books, Strong Heart, Adrift, and Totem, which are all available on Amazon. He is a wonderful storyteller and the perfect guest. I can't wait for you to meet him. So why should we? Welcome to our podcast, seasoned author, Charlie Sheldon. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being a member of the book club. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I'm happy to have you. So, you know, we're going to talk about your your three books and your your writing journey and all that good stuff and learn more about you. But I always like to ask authors the one question and everybody's answer is different. And And that question is, did you know that you wanted to be an author or did you just kind of fall into it? Oh, no, I, this is since the age of eight. So tell me about it. I don't know. I, I, the, my earliest memory as a kid of what do you want to do, you know, with, with your life. My first interest was at the age of seven was I wanted to be an archaeologist. And, it, and, it's, and, and then when I was eight, I decided, no, I want to write books. And I, I didn't understand then that there's maybe a difference between writing books and putting food on the table but but (laughs) so when I was eight that's what I wanted to do and and I started trying to I guess write you could say uh, right then I wanted to be able to learn how to do it whatever that is (laughs) so were you writing stories as a kid and like letting your friends read them or letting your family read them Oh, I wouldn't let people read them, but I did do some writing and I I wrote some store, short stories in junior high school and high school. I even got a even got a prize in high school for writing this story. And and uh, then I I went to a college, I went to Yale University and they have a they had a course back then. This was 55 years ago now, called Daily Themes, which was Every day at class, I think we met three times a week, and every day in class, you had to come to class with a 300-word paper, like one page, you know, one type page. And the instructor was Robert Penn Warren, famous author who wrote All the King's Men and a number of other books. He was quite old then, uh, and mostly his graduate students did the work. And so right away, I think this was my freshman year, sophomore year, I took that course and it was really a revelation. You know, if you have to do something almost every day, you learn to get beyond your concern about being perfect because you've got to get a product out. And so it was it 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 was frustrating, but it it made the process of getting something on paper much easier for me, I guess you could say. And then from there, um, I, I I don't know. I wanted to write novels, and and I, I I wanted to write novels, but I realized soon, very early, that I hadn't knocked around enough to write anything. You know, I was like 22 years old, and what the heck did I know? And so I I started taking 
writing journals. You know, I'd write journals. I went fishing commercially. I wrote a lot of journals doing that. And, and uh, I, I didn't, I, I tried to start a couple of novels in my late 20s, early 30s, and they never went anywhere, really. You know, it was not, it was, I just didn't do it. So you actually did do it because you have three novels now. You have three books. So how did the how does that come into fruition? Like how do you go from I want to write this novel to you wrote the book, but now publishing it, which is totally to me they're two different things. Absolutely. Writing and publishing are two different things. We can all probably write till the cows yeah. come home, but publishing is like the next step so how do you how do you get there what did you do what said what made you say this book is the one i'm going to publish well it didn't quite work like that unfortunately so i'm now i'm i tried a couple novels i've written a bunch of short stories i wrote some articles for fishing trade publications they can get paid for them so i was and i've written done some writing for uh newspapers and i got paid for those so i was getting, I wasn't making a living at it, but I was selling some articles, mostly in fishing, seagoing. And uh, I got to New York and I was 40 years old. And this guy produced a book about fishing, a book about fishing off Cape Cod where I'd been fishing. And, and, I, and I didn't think much of the book. And I thought to myself, well, heck, if he can write a novel like that, I can, not the right motivation. And so, <laughs> I'm work by this time I'm working in the I'm working in the in the at the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey in the 64th floor of tower number one actually in the World Trade Center and taking the train from this little house in New Jersey where I moved my family and so I started writing on the train longhand in a in an eight and a half by eleven folder with line page and I'd write going to work and coming to work and it was like a half hour train ride and you know if I if I had to face a book to write and empty paper I'd never do it because it'd be too intimidating but writing every you know writing for 15 minutes on a commute anybody can do that right so I started just writing for 15 minutes each way and a miracle happened you know three months later I had a 70,000 word draft of a story <laughs> and and the weekend I type it I in the weekend I type my handwritten notes into the this Pro computer that we had, which is this enormous, you know, first, it wasn't even, well, this is before Windows. It was a word processor, my friend. <laughs> that was not a computer. I'm dating myself. <laughs> and so, and I realized, you know, if I go up, if I went upstairs on the weekend to type my draft in the computer, that didn't sit very well with my wife or my, my family, my boys, because I'm, you know, I should be dealing with them. And so that was a struggle, but I finally got a draft typed and I knew a guy who'd been a reporter, Paul, called Capricos is his name. He'd been a reporter on the Cape Codder, Cape Codder Magazine newspaper, and he published a book. And so I contacted him and I said, hey, I've written this book. What do I do now? And he said, well, you know what? I, you know, I'll send a copy of your manuscript to my agent. This is like in 1989. And so I sent the manuscript to Meg Rooley, who was a professional agent in New York. And I didn't hear anything for a few months. And then suddenly she takes me on. I didn't realize till later that this is almost an unheard of miracle, right? 
And it was because she knew Paul, right? And she took me on. And a year later, she sold that book to Pocketbooks in 1990, 1991, 1990, 1991. So I, here I had a mass market paperback. It was a caper set in New York. It was an industrial espionage caper. It wasn't a serious book, but it was a book. And I thought, well, this is easy. You know, I've got an agent. This is great. Now I'm going to write a book about the fish business. Well, my agent thought, rightfully, I think, that I'd set up this caper and these are pretty good characters and I ought to do another story with these characters. And I didn't want to be stuck with a series, right? <laughs> and I didn't know enough to realize how stupid I was being. And so I kept sending Meg a new, and then I wrote another book on the train about the fishing industry. And then I wrote another book on the train about um, something out in the logging woods of the Pacific Northwest. And, and Meg got very annoyed with me, of course, and basically, we, we came to a parting of the ways because I wasn't doing what she wanted me to do. And so here I'd written three or four novels. I published one, I kept writing novels, and then I self-published a couple of novels in the 90s. But by this time, the technology had changed enough, so they were getting to the print-on-demand system with books. And self, this was before Amazon, but a couple of companies came up in the 90s, iUniverse and a couple of others, that where you could self-publish a book, you'd send in a file and they'd print a book for you. And so I had a couple, and I, and I, and, and then in, this is a long answer to your question, I apologize. It's okay, no. And then, in the, meanwhile, I'm working, right? I'm, I'm working for ports and I, and I was writing on the train and then when we moved to Seattle, I lived, intentionally bought a house across Puget Sound from Seattle. So I had to ride the ferry and that was my vehicle for writing books was I'd write it on the ferry going and coming. And meanwhile, the technology is changing. So you're finally getting the laptops and you're getting to, you know, you go from the five inch disc to the three inch disc. And, and it was, you know, it was a nightmare. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. And so, but then I got this job. Finally, I, I rose in this organization to this position where I was in charge of the seaport division in the Port of Seattle. So I was in charge of the container terminals and the fishing harbors and the marinas. And it was a very political position and very intense and I had to do a lot of traveling and I was not well suited to it. I'm not a good executive because I I just don't do that very well. And But one of the other thing is when you're doing that kind of work and you're writing memos to your elected commissioners, that's not writing, that's something else. And it makes writing creatively impossible. You know what I mean? It just, it's a different kind of that bureaucratic so what I did was I figured my writing days are over. This is about 2002 or three. And I used the self-publishing technology to at least get my, most of my manuscripts in book form. So I had them in book form. I had three or four books in book form. I, by this time I'd written five novels. You're driven to it, right? And I, and I, I thought I was putting it away for good, right? And then, but I had this idea in, in like around 1990 when I moved out here, I had this idea about this books about the Olympic Peninsula and the Olympic National Park and this legend that all first peoples have that they've always been here in North America. And I wanted to write something about the park and about this legend. And, and uh, I ended up being retired from my work as port work. And I went back to sea as a merchant sailor at the age of 65. And I did that for four years because I'm maybe not the brightest bulb in the room. And 
But I had all this research I'd done for this story that I wanted to do. And I thought I could write it on the ship, but there's no time on the ship. But in between gigs on the ships, you're home, right? And that's when I started writing these books that we talked about, the Strong Heart, Adrift, and Totem. But these books, these most recent books, I wanted to deal with some serious issues. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it carefully. I wanted to do the best I could do, you know, rather than just finish a book. And so I wrote, but I didn't start right. I did three years of research, you know, and in 2012, I was back at sea for a year on ships. And when I came back from my first 205 day trip on this container ship, right? My wife had been going to a construction management class at University of Washington, and I went to her graduation that spring. And who stands up to get a certificate for people who've gone to this fiction writing course at the university? And I thought to myself, you know, if I'm serious about wanting to do a book, I should take this course that meets in the evenings, and I may have to miss the course because I go back to see, but I can start. So I signed up for the course almost, what's it, 20, nine years ago, or eight years ago today, just about today, we had our first course at UW with this, my teacher. And that, it turns out that that first class was when I actually started writing the first book, Strongheart, in the class. And then I did it at home. I had a first draft in that book done by within three months. But then it took a long time to work on it and get it right. So that was the first book, and I and I I thought I was just going to do one, right? But this is even no, more Charlie. Than you than found this. yourself writing a series. Yeah, well, yeah, but here's why. I mean, I, I didn't <laughs> think I was going to write a series, especially because I pissed off my agent because I didn't want to do a series, right? But years before, so when I wrote the first book, I had a frame for the book that I really liked and still like, and it was the frame that Joseph Conrad uses in the, the novel, The Heart of Darkness. And in that frame, he has a number of men being on a boat, a pilot boat, waiting for the tide to turn before they could go out and meet the ship. And while there's on in the pilot boat waiting for the tide to turn, this guy tells a story. And it's the story of Kurtz in Africa and Heart of Darkness. In my stories, Strongheart, the original frame was this lifeboat crashes ashore in Haida Gwaii off Canada in the middle of the winter, and they're trapped, and they can't go for help for days, and everybody's going kind of stir-crazy, and one of the guys decides to tell a story to everybody to keep them from going insane, and he tells this story, which is his first book, Strongheart, the story of this ornery girl and a grandfather she never knew and this magical adventure they have. But, but And I entered that story in the Amazon novel contest in 2014 with, you know, there's a big, big prize. And, and I got through a bunch, I got up to the quarterfinals, whatever that means. And then they didn't go further with me. And I thought, you know, that's kind of a complicated storyline. The book's too long. So what I did was I stripped away the frame of lifeboat crashing ashore. And I just told the story of the girl appearing at her grandfather's and the adventure they have. So are right? all three books um, related to one another? They are because, so the first book, I'd stripped away the frame stuff. Then I go on another job. I have another job in Cleveland, helping to set up a shipping business. This is in 2014. 
and I'm in Cleveland and I have some time. So I start writing, I, I got all these chapters from the lifeboat crashing ashore. And I think, well, how did it, what happened to the ship? And why did these lifeboats crash ashore? And what happened then? So I wrote another book, which became a drift, which used the stuff I'd stripped away from the first book, a few chapters, and became another whole story, four months after the Strongheart story. And I knew there had to be a, now, now I had a, now I had a series because I had a few things that I needed to resolve. And I didn't know whether, you know, I, I, I could imagine it could have been a 10 book series. And then I imagined, no, I, I don't want to be trapped by the series. And so I wrote, then the next year, I go to Baltimore to be on another ship. And I'm on this ship, which is mostly tied to the dock. And so when coffee breaks and at night and stuff and weekends, I'm writing this next story, which is the third story. And I wrote a book there on that ship that still hadn't finished the series, right? But pretty close. So, you know, between 2013 and 2015, I'd written three quarters of these three books, but they were very rough. And, and uh, by now, now I had a series. And then I thought, you know, I'm not selling that many copies. And, you know, I, I don't want to, a few people wanted to, I thought, let's just try to wrap this up because I didn't want to be trapped in the series. I wanted to kind of, I want to do a trilogy. You know, I just wanted to have a set of books that are finished. And so the third book, which became Totem, was originally a, a 70,000 word story. And then I realized, no, I really need to finish the story. And then I, I, in 2019, I wrote a fourth book to finish the story. And then I decided, you know what, let's combine these two into one grand final story, which is what this book is. It's twice as long as the other books. It's 130,000 words and it wraps the series up. And so that, <laughs> that's a very long answer. But to... no, but Charlie, your, your journey is, is unique is in that you've been at this for a long time. You've, you've got right. a lot of books out there, right? You've published right. a lot. The last three, um, Strongheart, Adrift Totem, did you self-publish? No. What I did is the first book I did, Fat Chance, was published by Pocket Books. The next three books, Chasing Davy Jones, uh, Guardian, and a book called Boomerang Heist, which I withdrew because the technology changed and it doesn't make sense anymore, were self-published because I just went and, you know, and then when, when I took that writing class, I met a guy the first night of that writing class, had been in the writing class the year before. He knew the teacher and she introduced me to him. He started a publishing company. And I ended up, before I went to, and I knew he'd started this publishing company. And just before I went down to, the, the last ship I was on was in Violet, Louisiana, on the Mississippi River. And I, before I go down to, I actually drove down to the ship from Seattle, which was interesting, but I, I gave Ethan the three books and in, in, you know, they're a stack of paper. Like, and I said, here, there's three books. If you want to publish these books, just take a look at the whole series. I know if you're not interested, but here they are. They were pretty rough then, you know, and I didn't hear anything from him for a while. And then he writes a letter to me and I'm on the ship in Seattle. This was almost before email and it wasn't quite. And he says, he says, I'd like to do these books. And so, um, so when I got back from 
actually the, that third ship I was on, I went down there thinking we we're just going to be a military reserve ship. You know, you, you, you have a skeleton crew and you're ready to sail, but you don't sail. And you work every day just keeping the ship going. They take a lot of maintenance. But I get down there and I hear, I'm the bosun. I'm going to be the bosun on the ship, which is the guy in charge of the deck crew. And I get down there and the first thing the captain says to me is, well, we're leaving in two months to the shipyard up in New York. So, you, you know, we're going to sail up to New York. So get ready to do some work. So I'd driven down to the ship in Violet. I leave my car in Violet because I couldn't bring it on the ship. We take the ship from Violet up to New York and go into the shipyard. And I'm in the shipyard for a month and a half working on the ship. And then I fly down to Violet and get in my car and, and drive home. And so after I got back from that, I met with this publisher guy, and that's when we started producing the books. Wow. And, and of course, when I say, it, it, this all sounds easy, but it isn't. It, it, for the way I work, when I start to write, I write every day, because otherwise the story fades away. And I write every day, and I'll have a, if I'm diligent, which I can be in, in spurts, not steadily, but if, when I'm doing a book, I'll, I'll do it. And that means that in three or four months, I have a, r a rough draft of a full novel done, 90,000, 100,000 words. But it takes three years from, the, from that draft being finished to get it right, to cut away the stuff that doesn't need to be there, to move things around, to change some things. So that the first draft, as opposed to the final draft, it's roughly the same story, but they're very, very different in style and the way they look. And in these three books, so it became a series, but these three books, while it of course makes sense to read them one, two, three in sequence and time, they can be read independently. And then you can go back and read the others if you want to. So they're intentionally, it's, it's, and, and, you know, the first book is set on the Olympic Peninsula and along the coast in this magical journey in one summer. Then the second book, Drift, is when the ship catches fire and they abandon ship and these guys head up in Haida Gwaii and they need to survive four months later, right? It's really a sea story. But it's linked to the, some of the same characters because one of the guys in the first book, William, who's a Haida Indian, who, who's a former fisherman, he's a merchant sailor. He's on the ship that catches fire. Ah, okay. He's the guy. He's the guy who told him all the strong art story, and and you know, you know, it's what's all of it, a story about survival. And then the third book is the following spring and summer, back in the park, when everything comes to a head with this mining company and these strange animals and mysteries out in the in the. In, in the wilderness and so they're separate standalone stories they can be read independently but it's best of course to read from the beginning on because then you get the full depth of the backstory and none of the books for instance have any summary of what happened in the previous book there's none of that you know it's just this book next book next book <laughs> so you got the books out there they're they're out and available what's your what's your um how do you market them because I tend to find that most authors can do all of that. We can write, we can publish, get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever. But how do you find readers? Well, that's that's a really good question. And I, I, I think the short answer to that question is it's a completely 
hopeless, humiliating, <laughs> frustrating, agonizing process of failure and rejection and fear. <laughs> I just got back yesterday from going to the Pacific Northwest Booksellers Association annual trade show. And I met some bookstores down there. My books are in some bookstores, right? Um, I've had a lot of people reading my stories through this online book club online all over the world, giving great reviews and so on. Uh, I, for, before COVID, I was going around to retirement communities in the Pacific Northwest and doing readings and selling a lot of books at these readings. You know, I'd, talk, I'd read and talk to them and then they'd buy them for gifts for their grandchildren and stuff. By and large, though, I'd have to say that we could have a five, five conversations about this and not repeat ourselves. It's practically impossible to find an agent. It's just as hard to find an agent as to find a publisher. Mm -hmm. It's practically impossible to find a publisher. There's, I think, 70 or 80,000 books a year produced. So how the hell do you get noticed? Period. How do you get noticed? And either you have a big publishing house behind you with juice and leverage to get you all the media spots or you've got a pretty good these some of these self-published writers are really good at building email lists and all that stuff and I have to confess that this year this time I made a really sincere effort to try to crack the social media bubble and you know that whole thing and the Facebook ads and Amazon ads and I'm here to tell you that my attitude about it is it's 98% of it is a goddamn con, just squeezing money out of your pocket. Most of it's not real. Most of the people doing these courses have one book and now they can't sell another book so they're doing courses and signing these suckers up for the courses. I mean, I'm being very negative. I talked to, <laughs> so I started doing podcasts partly because I actually found these podcasts a lot of fun because I meet, meet characters like you. It's just interesting. But part of it is, is that there, maybe there's some listeners in the podcast. Otherwise, I never, they might be interested. At least I just wanted to look, just take a look. But I talked to one company, one group that advertised, you know, we'll get you on national media. Yeah, so for how much? What was it going to cost you? How much? I got a hold of them. And I got to the point where, first of all, when you ask the how much question, if you don't get an answer right away, you know it's a problem. Yep. And I said how much, and there was a lot of gobbledy goo talk. And eventually, it's a 10-week course, 28000 bucks. Wow. But they said, but if you sign up today, it'll be 12000 Or you give us $1,000 non-refundable, and we'll hold your $12,000 position for, 12, for six months. And I thought, I said, well, okay, that sounds interesting. Give me the names of a couple of authors you've put on this program so that I can talk to them about their experience. Oh, we can't do that. They don't want to be inundated with all these people. And I said, thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so in the end, here's what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm not very successful at this, but this is what I'm trying to do. Okay, this year I made a big effort on Totem. I've made a big effort on these Northwest booksellers, and I think I'm going to have my books in most stores by Christmas, which will be good. I think that'll be good. I've met, gotten to know a few booksellers. Um, I've done a lot with this guy, Scott Hughes, on this online book club, which has a three million members, you know, and, and basically they want to get free books for reviews, but I'm willing to give them free books for reviews. But in the end, I think 
it may be if I think personally I think luck has a lot to do with it and coming across a, an influencer or someone who has their own following you know like you know obviously if Oprah's seen Karen your book you're you're set right I mean that's the kind of pinnacle or if if you know something like that but you can't predict that all you can do is try to cast stones wherever you can cast stones and hope maybe it'll take off my comfort and and I've got two comforts for this one I'm retired now so it's not as if you know I've got a family depending on me selling books and I know this guy John Evison is a very successful author up here who's raising a family of young kids just on his writing and let me tell you I I admire someone who gets the hustle and juice to do that it's really good so I'm doing the best I can right if it works it works and the comfort I get from it and it's a big comfort is I do get lots of when people read my read the books mostly they really like them right and a lot of times people say I couldn't put it down I really loved it and that's what else can you ask for you know that's the you know that's yeah, the that that's, is that is why I think most of us write to entertain right. and to share you know the stories that are in our heads right, right. and so right. that's why I like books that's why I like movies that's why I like to write I think everybody who actually put stuff on paper are born storytellers good bad or indifferent Charlie you're well, a storyteller I, I've got I mean part of the thesis in all of these books I talked about this ancient legend that people have always been here which of course contradicts all science it says that modern humans arose in Africa or the Middle East you know there were there were anatomically modern humans for about six or seven hundred thousand years but they weren't burying people or leaving artwork or though that's extending back but something happened about a hundred thousand years ago when people started behaving like people today you know rituals and artwork and so on and and so I I played I did a lot of research on this and I've got my own thesis about what might have happened but part of the argument I I was making and I'm making is that I think it was the development of language and the ability to tell stories that made us not modern because storytelling is the first way that people were able to transmit learning and culture generation to generation and legends and that's how lessons were taught through the telling of stories that's how the children were brought into the world and brought into understanding the world and so what I try and do with these stories is it's a bunch of stories about different periods in time almost like people around a campfire telling stories that to reveal how they they became what they became you know what I mean I and, do. and 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 uh the other thing I learned and what this is important back to the book that I withdrew I wrote a book in the 90s called the boomerang heist and it was based on a container shipping because I used to work in the container shipping industry and the idea was these guys hijacked this container ship and everybody thinks it's a an act of terror but it's actually just a simple theft when they figure out a way to rip off the value of all these containers but the premise of the story was that it, the story was written before GPS became as widespread as it is today and so the the whole story depended on this technology of this kid figuring out where the containers might be 
Today, everybody knows that's impossible because we know from satellites. So these stories that I wrote are partly set in the Olympic National Park or at sea to get them away from whatever is current and modern technology in hopes of making them a little more timeless. You know what I mean? It kind I of do. Is, I, you know, it's not about you know iPhone X as opposed to iPhone Y. It's really about the human condition, which is permanent and forever. And and you know what I mean? So because I didn't want to write some stories that three years from now would be completely dated, right? From from what's happened with, with technology, <laughs> and they may be dated. Who knows? Charlie, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Um, the books are Strong Heart, Adrift, and Totem. Um, hopefully, you know, this podcast will help you reach. My goal is if I can find one reader for your book, then I have done my job. And I thank you because that's, you know? that's terrific. So that's that terrific. that is the whole goal of the podcast is to try to meet you, you know, have you find readers and readers find you. So hopefully we've done that. I know I've enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bright Headed Publishing Book Club. I have been your host, Kelly Morgan. I just wrapped up with seasoned author Charlie Sheldon as we talked about his writing journey and his three newest books, Strong Heart, Adrift, and Totem, all now available on Amazon. If you are an author and you would like to promote your book and be a member of the book club, it's really easy. Just go to my website, www.brightheadedpublishing.com. Drop me a line. Let's have you on the podcast. Next week, a new episode, a new author, a new book. But until then, keep writing.